peculiar time of the year when it's to know where you are and why you have been kidnapped. Well, the bridge of size. One of the guys who works here went psycho. Welcome to October by May. The short stories of Edward T. May. Presented by James Allen May. I love haunted houses. I mean the walk-through scare attractions. I've never been in a house that is actually haunted, at least not to the best of my knowledge. Which makes me wonder, what is life like for somebody right now who is quarantined inside their haunted house? Somebody's probably writing that movie as we speak. Anyways, I go to the scare attraction variety at least once or twice every Halloween season and have since I was a teenager. Over on Instagram at October by May Podcast, I've been posting a little retrospective of a few I've been to over the years. So check those posts out, and while you're there, leave a comment of some of your personal favorites. Or you can reach out over Twitter at October by May. I'd really love to know what some of your personal favorite haunted houses are. Our story today takes place in one such attraction, as we follow Ashley and Zach exploring Misery House. I'm sure we can all relate to these two, as they have a sense of unease and trepidation going through the haunted house. I feel like when we go through them, we know we aren't in any real danger, but it's the same kind of knowing we're safe that we feel when we're on an especially turbulent flight. I mean, anything could happen. A hydraulic could malfunction, a false wall could topple over. Or, a scare actor could get a little overzealous. But for Ashley and Zach, there seems to be something genuinely going wrong during their tour. Should they be heading for one of the emergency exits? Or is their paranoia an intentionally curated element of an especially inventive haunt experience? Misery House It was coming that peculiar time of the year when it was acceptable, even desirable, to scare people. That longed-for time of the year when people loved to be frightened, when they actually paid for the privilege. He lived for that time of the year. It was then he could give people what they wanted. That was important, to give people what they wanted. That was what he'd been taught as a child. This is what I want, so you will do it, and you will like doing it. The words had been accompanied by actions. The actions had been blotted from the memory, but the words remained. Who said the words? That knowledge was lost as well. All that remained were the words and the feelings. He remembered the fear. The fear made him sick. But it made the voice, the person behind the voice, happy. How strange that the fear of one was associated with the happiness of another. But that was how it happened. He assumed it was just one of life's mysteries. He wondered if that was the reason people enjoyed being scared. Did they want to give happiness to those doing the scaring? As Halloween approached, he thought about the subject quite often. It seemed logical to him that if the fear remained imperfect, then the happiness it engendered would be lacking as well. He remembered his experiences from years past, when he worked in other haunted houses. He could see the faces of the customers. They showed fear at first, and then, when the inducement to fear was gone, relief. What did he feel upon seeing the relief? His happiness vanished. 
to be replaced by an empty feeling. As a child, his fears had never experienced a cessation. His fears had been carried through to a conclusion, because it was then, and only then, the voice experienced happiness. What's wrong? The voice questioned him. You should enjoy making other people happy. Now he had a chance to make himself happy while making other people happy, a situation where everybody wins. That's what he planned to do on Halloween. True terror is derived from a feeling of helplessness. Zack heard the famous movie director explain as he dashed past the television on his way to the kitchen. Going now, Mom, he said briefly as he grabbed a handful of candy and made his way to the back door. Hold it, his mother commanded. You know the routine. Where, what, who, and when. I told you already, Zack groaned in exasperation. I'm going to that new place that just opened up, Misery House. It's the one that's supposed to be so scary. I'm going with Ashley, Brittany, and Ryan. I'll be back about 11. Zack's mother nodded approvingly. Have fun, but stay out of trouble, she admonished. Okay, okay, Zack muttered as he left. He drove to Ryan's house, and then on to Brittany's, where both girls were waiting. I hope this place is as good as they say it is, Ryan remarked. Yeah, not like that place we went to last year, Brittany added. What was it called? Horror Castle? Terror Castle, Ryan corrected. Yeah, Terror Castle. I remember I drank all this hot chocolate at the party before, and then right in the middle of this Terror Castle, I had to go to the bathroom real bad, and there was like no place to go. That was the most terrifying thing about the place. Brittany giggled. A long line greeted the foursome as they arrived at Misery House. Above the front entrance was a likeness of the host of Misery House. The creature sported a black cloak, protruding from the cloak, a hideous skeletal face with horns sprouting from the rear of the skull. What can you expect? Ryan said philosophically. After all, it's opening night for the place. Everyone wants to be the first to go inside. They purchased their tickets and then proceeded to the rear of the line. Most of the customers were teenagers, with a sprinkling of middle-aged types and a few pre-adolescents. They chatted and joked as the line snaked slowly forward. Before long, the ticket-taker was in front of them, holding out his hand. Hey, I really like your earrings, he commented to Brittany. Brittany automatically reached up and touched the matching pair of tiny jack-o'-lanterns dangling from her ears. Thanks, she said simply. Okay, it's your turn inside. Another employee announced to the ticket-taker as he replaced him. The ticket-taker nodded at the other employee and then turned to Zack and his friends. Enjoy yourselves, he said as he handed them their stubs. It was their intent to traverse the house as a foursome, but once inside, an employee separated them into pairs. Sorry, no more than two at a time, he informed them. The house offered two routes. Zack and Ashley entered one while Ryan and Brittany entered the other. As Zack and Ashley passed into the first room on the tour, the door closed silently behind them. They surveyed the room. It was small, approximately 10 feet by 10 feet, with an open doorway set into the opposite wall. Candlesticks along the walls provided a flickering illumination. They didn't leave us much choice, did they? Zack said. They began walking towards the opening when they heard a noise behind them. 
they turned to see the host of Misery House. The grotesque figure raised an axe and advanced. Zack turned, pulling Ashley along with him across the threshold. Once through the doorway, Zack slammed the door and braced his shoulder against it. They found themselves in an even smaller room, perhaps five feet by five feet. The ceiling was twelve feet above their heads. A light fixture, flush with the face of the wall, provided a pallid glow. As their vision adjusted to the gloomy interior, they began to take note of certain aspects of the room. Zack quickly noticed there was no handle for the door on the inside. What's this stuff? Ashley asked. The walls and floor showed evidence of irregular staining. It's supposed to be dried blood, Zack commented. Their knees buckled slightly as the floor began moving upward at a snail's pace. What the? Ashley exclaimed. Elevator, Zack said. More like a compactor. Look. Ashley pointed to the ceiling and its thick coat of dark red stains. Don't worry. It'll stop at the last minute and a door will open up, Zack assured her. The floor continued its ascent. The stained ceiling now lay six feet above their heads. Any time now would be just fine, Ashley said nervously. They could now see the ceiling quite clearly. It appeared to be made of cement. No exit was visible. How about it, Zack? Ashley said, her voice raising a few octaves due to tension. They're just making it as intense as possible, Zack muttered, his inflection betraying the doubt he was beginning to feel. The ceiling loomed two feet from their heads. Ashley slid down the wall and sat on the floor. Zack joined her. The available space continued to diminish. The knowledge it was part of the fun and they weren't going to be crushed didn't prevent them from wincing as the ceiling finally touched their outstretched palms. At the slightest pressure, the ceiling popped up. The floor continued its ascent for a few more feet until it was flush with the floor of a corridor on the second story of the house. Oh, Ashley sighed. See, I told you, Zack said. Oh, don't give me that, Ashley scolded. You know you were scared. Of course I was scared, Zack admitted, but I still knew we weren't going to be crushed to a pulp. Zack inspected the ceiling of the shaft. What appeared from the inside to be solid concrete was actually a piece of plywood covered with a thin plastic veneer. Well-oiled hinges were mounted on one side. Very clever, Zack said in admiration. The elevator had deposited Zack and Ashley in a short corridor, leading in one direction only and ending at a closed door. They didn't leave us a choice this time either, did they? Ashley remarked. I kind of like it that way. I don't have to think, Zack said. The pair proceeded cautiously down the hallway. As they neared the door, they encountered an unpleasant odor. What the heck is that? Zack managed to choke out. I have a feeling we're going to find out when we open the door. With every step they advanced, the intensity of the stench grew. Zack placed his hand on the doorknob tentatively. He slowly turned the knob until the latch disengaged, and then pushed the door inward while he and Ashley remained on the other side of the threshold. What's in there? Ashley whispered. Candles provided a light more illusory than illuminating. They're making it as realistic as possible, Zack said. What do you mean? That smell is supposed to be rotting bodies. Ashley stepped from behind Zack and peeked into the room. Four motionless figures, in varying states of decay, lay slumped against the walls. One body was little more than a skeleton clothed in rags. On closer inspection, 
Ashley could see the arms of the corpses were chained to iron rings set in the stone walls. Opposite Ashley and Zack was the door they would need to exit through. Zack clasped Ashley's hand and stepped across the threshold. Be careful where you step, Ashley counseled. Why? Because I'm stepping where you step, and I don't want to touch... them. Ashley, they're only dummies, Zack reprimanded her as he kicked the leg of a supine figure. Suddenly, both legs of the body wrapped around Zack's ankle. Help me! The hideous face screeched. Ashley screamed and headed for the exit while Zack struggled to free his leg. As she pulled the door open, the body lying next to the exit kicked it shut. Ashley screamed again and backed away from the repulsive being. The pleas of, help me, and don't leave me, coming from the corpse-like figures were deafening in the confined space. Finally, Zack managed to free himself and joined Ashley. Together, they were able to open the door and stumble into the corridor beyond. I should have known something like that would happen, Zack said as he slammed a fist against the wall. Ashley couldn't help but giggle. Hey, at least we're getting our money's worth, right? Zack smiled. Yeah, I guess you're right. Let's see what they've got next. They moved slowly down the murky corridor, inspecting the walls, floor, and ceiling for false panels or wires. The corridor eventually changed directions at a 90-degree angle. After turning the corner, Ashley and Zack found an open car with a cushioned seat, much like those on roller coasters and other carnival rides, directly in their path. I think we're supposed to sit down on it, Zack commented. That's a brilliant observation, Ashley said sarcastically. They both stood motionless. Well, what are you waiting for? Ashley said irritably. I'm waiting for you to sit down. Then I can see if anything happens to you and I can avoid it, Zack said honestly. Very funny, she returned. Oh, come on. We'll sit down at the same time. They slowly positioned themselves on the seat. The safety bar was lowered and locked in place. The car began moving forward on its track. The lights in the corridor were extinguished, the car continuing on in complete darkness. I don't like this, Ashley whispered. I like to be able to see what's coming. The car suddenly pitched forward and began rolling down a steep slope. As the car began its downward plunge, a patch of light illuminated the bottom of the dip, enabling the passengers to see what awaited them. A huge spider's web stretched across the corridor from one wall to the other and from ceiling to floor. Oh no, Ashley whimpered. Not spiders. As the car approached the web, dozens of dark forms could be seen darting back and forth. Ashley squirmed in the seat, but the safety bar held her fast. The car hurtled along the track, moving ever closer to the little menaces flitting along the strands. The web was ten, five, two feet away, and then they were upon it. Ashley shrieked and covered her face with her hands as the car penetrated the web and continued up the opposite side of the dip. Ashley's head was thrust back against the seat as the car ascended the track. She could feel a tickling sensation along the back of her head, neck, and ears. Images flashed in her mind of tiny, hairy legs caressing her skin. She swatted wildly at the offended areas, but the caresses continued. She spared a glance at Zack and noticed he was having the same difficulties. She tried again to dislodge her tormentors, slapping at them. She could do nothing to rid herself of her unwanted guests. The car reached the top of the curve and slowed to a stop. The safety bar released them from their seats. Ashley jumped out of the car. Zack! 
she screamed in desperation. Get them off me! But even as the words passed her lips, she realized the caresses had ceased. What the? She muttered. That is too cool! Zack shouted. Ashley turned to see him moving his hand back and forth across the top of the seat. He grabbed Ashley's hand and placed it over the rear of the seat. Tiny, pulsating jets of air massaged her palm. It was just air, Zack said. They alternated these little streams of air to make it feel like spiders were crawling on our necks. But what about the web? Ashley asked. Zack looked back down the track at the intact web and its shadowy figures. Can't tell from here. Probably just a laser light show. He looked back at Ashley. Ready to go? Yeah. Just let me catch my breath. I wonder how Brittany and Ryan are doing, Zack said. Brittany? Hates spiders more than I do. She'll probably still be screaming when she walks through the exit. Yeah. And Ryan's kind of claustrophobic, even more than me. I'll bet that first gag, the elevator, really made him sweat. Ashley took a deep breath and exhaled. <sighs> okay, I'm ready. Zack nodded and led off at a cautious pace down the gloomy corridor. They'd gone only a few paces when they stepped on a pressure sensor. A small spotlight illuminated the area directly in their path. Zack looked down, his feet mere inches away from a drop-off. Peering carefully over the edge, he could see an angled surface, much like a slide, leading down to a pit six feet below him. The pit contained what appeared to be sharpened stakes smeared with blood. Bones and skulls littered the area around the stakes. Ashley peeked over Zack's shoulder. Do you think we can jump over it? She asked. Zack motioned towards the edge of the pit. We can just walk around it. There's plenty of room on the side. I think this is just for looks. As soon as Zack moved towards the side of the pit, a motion sensor detected the action and engaged a conveyor. The conveyor was covered with carpet and extended five feet behind the brink of the pit. Except for the point where the conveyor met the floor of the corridor and created a negligible gap, it was indistinguishable from the floor itself. Caught off guard by the sudden and unexpected movement, both Zack and Ashley found themselves sprawled on their backs. Before they could react, they were carried over the precipice. Their progress down the slide was marked by the sound of scraping and slapping as they clawed at the slick surface in a vain attempt to slow their descent. In the space of a few heartbeats, they reached the bottom. Fully expecting to feel the unyielding points of the stakes being thrust into the lower half of his torso, Zack was pleasantly surprised to find the end of his short fall cushioned by a soft, rubbery material that quickly sprang back into shape after he removed his weight. That's enough to give someone a heart attack, he commented. No kidding, Ashley was quick to agree. Now, how do we get out? Zack felt along the sides. Right here, he said as he reached the opposite side of the pit. They built steps into the wall. A short climb brought them back into the corridor. They were about to proceed when a loud, crackling sound interrupted their progress. What the heck is that? Ashley said as she covered her ears. It soon became evident the noise was only static emanating from the public address system. A tinny, halting, adolescent male voice echoed through the corridor. Attention, Misery House guests. We... We... We are sorry to announce... We're sorry to announce... It, I know. What? Just it was obvious the speaker was being distracted by another person's comments. After a short silence, he resumed. It has just come to our attention that... It has just come to our attention that... There is someone... Someone... That intends to harm... Intends to harm? What? Why? Again, there was an interruption while the speaker became embroiled in an argument. Finally, 
A mature male voice replaced the first speaker. It has just come to our attention that some of the equipment may not be functioning properly. For the safety of our patrons, we are asking everyone to leave the Misery House at the next available exit. Our employees will be stationed at select locations to assist in the evacuation. Well, once you're outside, please proceed to the front gate where you will receive a full refund. We regret this inconvenience and thank you for your cooperation. Oh, great, Ashley said sullenly. Brand new place and they've got problems with the equipment. Maybe it's part of the show, Zack mumbled. How do you figure? Well, I mean, don't you think that if it was for real, the second guy would have talked first? You see what I mean? Not really. Ashley responded, shaking her head. Well, did you notice the first guy said someone? Not malfunctioning equipment, but some person was planning to do some harm? Yeah, so? Zack shrugged. It's kind of hard to explain. It just had the sound of a scam. But we don't know that for sure. We have to take them at their word. I suppose, Zack said uncertainly. Look, Ashley reasoned. How would you feel if you left and then found out it was a joke? You'd be plenty mad, right? So the people who run this place don't want a lot of really mad people screaming at them. Besides, I don't think they can tell us to leave unless there really is a problem. It's kind of like yelling fire. Well, let's find an exit then, Zack said resignedly. They began walking. Too bad they screwed up. I'm really curious about what else they had planned for us, Zack lamented. I'll bet we were only about halfway through. We'll come back after they fix the bugs, Ashley assured him. I wouldn't be surprised if they give us a refund and a free pass. They turned a corner and saw a young male employee at the far end of the corridor, nervously shifting from one foot to the other. He spied Zack and Ashley and signaled them to advance with a wave of his hand. Is the malfunctioning equipment behind us? Zack inquired as they walked slowly towards the man. Because if it is, there's no reason why we can't go ahead and finish the tour, right? There's no malfunctioning equipment, the man said urgently. The manager said that so there wouldn't be a panic. One of the guys who works here went psycho. That's why we're shutting down. While they were still ten steps from the man, and before Zack or Ashley could ask any questions, a panel in the wall slid open. A hand reached out from behind the hidden door and forcefully yanked the employee through the aperture. A scream echoed through the corridor as the panel slid shut. Ashley sucked in her breath and darted behind Zack. He could feel her fingers squeezing ever tighter on his arm. He pulled her along as he continued down the corridor. As they came abreast of the hidden panel, a dark stain began seeping beneath it. It's gotta be part of the show, Zack reasoned. You really think so? Ashley said in a pleading tone. It's got to be, Zack repeated. Let's leave anyway, Ashley said tentatively. Zack looked around. There aren't any exits around here. Let's keep going until we find one, then we can decide. Ashley nodded as Zack started walking. Without warning, the sliding panel once again shot open and the robed figure they'd encountered earlier stepped out. Let's go! Zack yelled. Ashley needed no further encouragement, and they both fled down the hallway. After only a few steps, they felt a number of objects hitting their bodies. Barely visible in the dim light, they could see what appeared to be arms sticking out of both walls. The arms severely impeded their progress. The dreadful fingers seemed to grab at them, snatching at clothing, arms, and legs. Their pace slowed considerably as they fought their way through the obstacle course, grunting and cursing. Only when the course had been completed did they dare check on their pursuer. The creature was nowhere to be seen. 
Just like one of the drills we do in football practice. Zack panted as he examined one of the mechanical arms. Ashley watched in fascination as the arm flailed back and forth, the fingers opening and closing. I've had enough fun. Let's find an exit, she said. They continued along the course set out for them, Zack in the lead and Ashley continuously watching their rear for any sign of the creature. Zack was the first to notice an unsettling occurrence. I don't like this, he remarked in a panicky tone. What? Ashley whispered, still facing rearward. The hallway. It's getting smaller. What do you mean? She said, finally turning. She could see it then. From side to side and from ceiling to floor, the corridor appeared to have shrunk by at least a foot. It's gradually narrowing, Zack explained. I don't think I can go on. I've got claustrophobia really bad, just like Ryan. Before Ashley could respond, a panel slid across the hallway behind them, sealing off their avenue of retreat. Looks like you're going to have to, Ashley said. Zack chewed his lower lip. He went back to the panel and tested its strength. Convinced at last that he had no other option, he proceeded forward. In no time at all, they could only advance by assuming a stooped posture and shuffling. The corridor continued to narrow until it was no more than three feet across and four feet high. Another panel slid shut behind them. They continued forward. The path was eventually transformed into a circular tunnel a mere two feet in diameter. This is so unfair, Ashley sputtered. How can they expect us to... Your shoulders are wider than that. We can't do it, Zack. We just can't. Zack, on the verge of suffering a panic attack, felt along the walls of the tunnel. It... It's made from some weird type of material that expands when you push against it. Zack experimentally squirmed into the tunnel a few feet. This won't be fun, but it's doable, he announced. Ashley, constantly checking behind her, waited for a few seconds after Zack's feet disappeared and then followed him into the tunnel. The small space was soon filled with the sounds of grunting and labored breathing as they inched along. The tunnel ran for fifty agonizing feet before terminating. I see the end. Zack informed Ashley. Zack happened to be on his back as his head popped out of the tunnel. Hovering over him was the host of Misery House. Axe poised for a fatal chop. Zack ducked back into the tunnel. Ow! Screeched Ashley as Zack's foot smashed into her head. What the hell? That thing is right outside the hole! Zack yelled. Ashley, detecting genuine fear in Zack's voice, shelved any further recriminations. She waited a few seconds for Zack to regain his composure. We can't stay here, Zack, she said as calmly as circumstances permitted. Yeah, I know, he responded reluctantly. Okay, this is what we'll do. Put your hands on the bottom of my feet and brace yourself the best you can. I'll push off and get out as fast as I can. Okay, Ashley agreed. It took her a few seconds to work her arms into position. She put the palms of her hands on the bottom of Zack's shoes, locked her elbows, and dug her toes into the fabric of the tunnel. Ready, she said. Zack pushed off and scooted out of the tunnel, arms held up in a defensive posture, waiting for the creature to attack. He scrambled to his feet and placed his back against the far wall. The creature remained in his original position. What's going on out there? Ashley asked. Zack stepped to the side of the creature and quickly touched its arm. It's not real he sighed. It's just a dummy. Ashley's head emerged and Zack helped her out. They were in a small room with only one exit. They opened the door cautiously and crossed the threshold. The door instantly closed and locked behind them. 
The corridor extended only a few feet before it branched off in two directions. What now? Ashley asked. It's a maze, Zack explained as he began checking his pockets. What have you got with you? What do you mean? Ashley said, perplexed. Have you got, like, a package of gum or candy or anything like that? Just my ID and some money. Zack fished a dollar bill out of his wallet, tore off a small piece, and placed it on the floor near the corridor leading off to the right. What are you doing that for? Ashley said. Every time we have to make a choice, we'll leave a piece of this dollar by the path we take. That way, if the maze leads us back here, we'll know not to take that path again. Zack explained briefly as he began walking. They encountered a number of 90-degree turns and two more branching corridors. Each time, Zack selected the corridor leading to the right and placed a piece of the dollar on the floor next to it. After about five minutes, they came to a door marked Exit. Finally, Ashley sighed. Zack opened the door and confidently stepped through into the small room beyond, with Ashley following close behind. The door, actually a hidden panel from the side they now found themselves on, closed and locked behind them. Confronting them across the room was the host of Misery House, axe raised high. Zack froze. The creature glared but did nothing. Ashley tapped Zack on the shoulder and pointed at the floor near the creature's feet. It took Zack but a moment to realize she was pointing at the tunnel they had recently traversed. We're back where we started from, Ashley moaned. Hey, at least we know not to go that way again, Zack announced. Come on, this time we'll take the left branch. They once again passed through the door and began threading their way through the maze. On two occasions, they were confronted by sections of corridor that branched in three separate directions. Zack dutifully placed a piece of the rapidly diminishing dollar at each path they took. After about five minutes, they found themselves at a door marked Exit. What do you think? Ashley asked. The real one this time? Zack shrugged and opened the door. We are never going to get out of here, Ashley said despairingly as they came face to face with the creature. Zack could tell she was close to losing it. The third time's the charm? He said in a tone as upbeat as possible. They exited the room with the eternally grinning ghoul and began their third trek through the maze. Five minutes later, they were again reading the word exit. Without hesitation, Zack opened the door and was greeted by a blast of chilly air. They were in the parking lot at the back of Misery House. Yes! He shouted triumphantly. You want to go again? Ashley gave no verbal response, but delivered a sharp kick to his shin to make her feelings known. A simple no would have been good enough, he said, hopping around on one foot and holding his injured limb with both hands. Come on, let's find Ryan and Brittany. Ashley counseled. How did you like it? Ashley and Zack both turned in the direction of the voice. Seated on the hood of a car was the ticket taker, dressed now in a black cloak, leisurely smoking a cigarette. Propped against the car was an axe, and lying next to him on the hood of the car was a mask featuring the likeness of the host of Misery House. Yeah, scary as hell. Best house I've ever been in, Zack confessed. Glad to hear it, the ticket taker said. Taking a break? Zack asked. The ticket taker shook his head. No one left inside, he explained. You mean, that announcement we heard? That was for real? Ashley rasped. They really did evacuate the place? Yeah, isn't that the craziest thing you ever heard? The ticket taker said, smiling. As he shifted positions, his foot nudged the axe. 
The axe head grated a few inches along the pavement, creating a metallic noise. Ashley and Zack began edging away. You guys don't have to worry, the ticket taker announced, shaking his head. It's just not the same out here. It wouldn't do you any good, and it wouldn't do me any good. Speechless, Ashley and Zack could only stare. Don't you get it? The ticket taker asked. It's not as scary outside because you're not trapped. That's what makes it really scary. That feeling that you've got nowhere to go. That you're completely helpless. I mean, just look at how far you could run and all the places you could hide out here before I caught you. If I caught you. He waved his arm at the spacious parking lot. Of course, I planned on getting around to you, but... You got through the maze quicker than most. I couldn't spend all my time on you guys. I had to divide it between you and your friends. You know, that couple you came here with? The ticket taker continued. Oh, by the way, I think your friend would have wanted you to have these. He retrieved something from his pocket and tossed it in Ashley's direction. A pair of jack-o'-lantern earrings landed on the pavement at her feet. The ticket taker glanced over his shoulder. A small party consisting of the manager of Misery House and two policemen approached. It's been real, but I gotta go. The ticket taker explained as he turned and raised his hands in surrender. Maybe we'll meet again, and then I can show you what being scared is all about. Once again, I'm James Allen May, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of October by May. October by May is a bi-weekly podcast with new episodes every other Tuesday. So make sure you subscribe so you don't miss a single sojourn into October. Please leave us a rating and review, as well as any comments or replies that you may have for us. Also visit us at OctoberByMay.com for more info, as well as links to the books by Edward T. May. Misery House by Edward T. May Recitation and audio design by James Allen May Theme by Hassan Nazari Rabadi